Welcome. Glad to have you here this morning. If you don't know me, my name is Ben. I'm one of the pastors here. We've got a card in the seat in front of you we'd love to have you fill out, whether it's your first time or your 500th time. We just want to know how we can be partnering with you, praying for you, and coming alongside you. However we can, a prayer request, a praise that you'd like to share with us, we pray over those every week, and we'd love to be praying for you. Kids, we love having you here in church with us, and... This morning, what I want to do is I want to give you guys a treat. You guys like treats? All right. So kids, what I want is I want you guys to all come up in the front and just sit right here uh, in the front. And as you come up, you're going to get a treat. Okay? It is a good treat. So come on up and grab a treat and have a seat right here on the floor. I want to talk to you guys. You can come up. You can sit on the floor. You can sit on the stage if you want. Come on up, kids. I want to talk with you guys this morning. Hello. Hi. Hi. Oh, my goodness. Good morning. Good morning. Don't eat it yet. Don't eat it yet. Just hang on to it. All right. So, kids, what do you have? A lollipop. Yum. How many parents are jealous out there, huh? All right. A lot of you. (laughs) Tough. That's why you're adults. So let me ask you something. What do you, what do you guys like about lollipops? Yeah. They're sweet. They have sugar. Yes. Crunchy. Taste good. Colorful. They're red. Yes. They have sugar and sugar is good for you. All right. All right. Hold on. Okay. Yeah. So there's, there's a lot of beautiful things about lollipops, right? And I'm sure you're all excited to have a lollipop in your hand. And I told you, don't, don't eat it yet. Because here's what I'm going to offer to you. I'm going to offer you to, to trade it for something else. Okay? Now, you have your lollipop and it's wonderful and fantastic, but I want to trade it for something else. If you want. Okay? You don't have to, but, but I'm going to offer it to you. Okay? Let me tell you about the thing I want to trade you guys that lollipop for. Okay? Uh, it's tasty. Like some of you said that your lollipops are tasty. Uh, it can easily last a while, right? Like lollipops last a while, and that's one of the great things about lollipops, right? Like you're licking on it and sucking on it, and you're like, man, like I still got more lollipop to go. Now, now this other thing I'm going to offer you will, will last a while as well, depending on how lucky you are and how much of it gets stuck in your teeth. Uh, but, but this also lasts a while. What's awesome is, well, there, there is only one flavor. I know you like all the different colors and flavors of lollipops. There's only one flavor of this thing that I'm going to offer you, but you can add things to it and uh, change and affect its flavor. Now, now, who wants the something else instead of the lollipop? Who's ready to trade their lollipop? Okay, a couple of you. Now, some of you, now let me remind you of what you have. You have a lollipop, right, which you said is sweet and full of sugar, which is really good for you. Lots of different colors, and, and, and the red, I mean, they're just fantastic, right? So you might want to hang on to your lollipop. But do you want to know the other thing that I have for you first before you want to trade? Okay, let me, let me get the other thing that I have. Then you can see if you want to trade. Okay, it's right over here. It is, are you ready? Broccoli. Who wants to trade? Uh, really? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Anybody else? No? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Parents who want a lollipop. <laughs> I love it. How is it? Is it good? It's good broccoli, huh? Yeah. Now, here's the thing, right? 
Not, not very many of you, I, I love Tegan, that you were just like, yeah, I don't need a lollipop, broccoli. But see, it's, it's not very appealing, right? None of the rest of you wanted broccoli over a lollipop. You did? Oh, you want to trade? We did. All right. <laughs> hey, I'm handing out broccoli today. Yeah, go ahead. All right. So here's the thing. This is an illustration. And, and here's what I want to talk to you guys about a little bit, okay? No, you can't have those lollipops. <laughs> I, I want you guys, first of all, ask your parents before you eat your lollipop, okay? But, but here's the thing. Jesus' gift of salvation is kind of like a lollipop. You received it, right? It was given for free. How many of you paid for your lollipop? None of you, right? You shouldn't have. If you did, go, get, go back and get the money because that's, that shouldn't have happened. And, and, and lollipops are amazing, just like Jesus' gift of salvation is amazing. Now, yes, the, the analogy breaks down a little bit, and I'm aware of that, okay? But see, here's the problem, is that we can easily be tricked into believing something else is true when it isn't, right? Like, some of you were thinking that the broccoli was something different than broccoli. Like chocolate. Like chocolate or something like that, right? Like, you were like, man, this has got to be fantastic if it's better than a lollipop. Um, now, let me ask you this question. What, what book of the Bible are we studying right now? Galatians, right. Good job. Hey, give it up for these kids, huh? They know. They know where we're at. Um, now, in the book, it, uh, we find out that the Galatians were tricked into believing something that wasn't true. They had been given something amazing. Hold on, buddy. Okay. They had been given something amazing, just like you were given the lollipop. They were given the gospel which is the good news uh, about Jesus, right? About what he did, about how he came and paid uh, our penalty on the cross. Now, is there anything that's better than the gospel? No, no right? Is there anything you have to do to get the gospel? No, no right? We just sang about that. Uh, it says, uh, the song we sang that you guys were all playing to, which you all did awesome with, by the way, uh, it says, your love's not based on how I sing on how I dance, how high I spring. Your love's not based on anything but that I'm your child. That's it. We, we can't do anything to get the gospel. But the problem is, are, are you going to help me? That would be great. Uh, the problem is that the Galatians were being told by someone else that they had to do something more to get the gospel. And Paul was wondering why the Galatians were being tricked. That's what we're talking about this morning. So the Galatians were tricked into believing something that wasn't true and tricked into trying to trade in something they had that was amazing for something that might not be quite as amazing. Kids, I want you to remember every time you eat a lollipop how amazing the gospel is. And don't be tricked into believing you have to do something to earn it. Okay? All right, let me pray for you guys, and then you guys can go and sit with mom and dad. I'm going to pray, okay? Lord, uh, thank you so much for these wonderful kids that are here, and um, Lord, help them remember just how beautiful the gospel is and how great of a treat it is. Uh, thank you so much for them and just their desire to know more about you, and we pray that you just bless them today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, kids, go sit with your parents. All right. So kids, um, as I'm talking to your parents, make sure that I'm telling them the same thing I just told you guys, okay? All right? So pay attention. Everyone else, open up your Bible to Galatians chapter 5. 
Galatians chapter 5, and that's where we're going to be this morning. So we're going to take a look at Galatians 5. Like Dave said, we're going to kind of overlap, and we're going to go back and start with verse 1. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view, and the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. But if I, brothers, still preach circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. Let me pray. Lord, I'm thankful for your word and thankful just for another morning that we can dive into it together, that we can study it together, that we can learn from it together. Lord, more than anything, I ask that it changes our lives. God, that we're drawn closer to you, that that we have a better understanding of the gospel, that we have a better understanding of grace as we leave this morning. Lord, that we're more excited about you, that we're more passionate about you and more aware of the things that can trip us up. Thank you so much for your word, and thank you so much uh, just for this opportunity. Lord, let me get out of the way and let your words come through and ring true this morning. Don't let me be a distraction. Don't let me be a hindrance from the gospel going forth, which it desperately needs to. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So, love that I get to preach on a passage talking about circumcision with all the kids here. That's great. Um, real exciting. Now, um, I, I got to warn you first, first and foremost, if this message sounds kind of familiar, uh, if the basic content of what's going on sounds the same, it is. Okay? Uh, Paul, through the book of Galatians, says the same things over and over and over again. And he, he kind of is, is working through this cycle of continuing to come back to the same thing, come back to the same thing, come back to the same thing, so that you're sure you get it. Uh, and he's really trying to drive this in, uh, drive these ideas in. Um, so what have we been talking about throughout the whole series of Galatians? We've been talking about the gospel. What are we going to talk about this morning? The gospel. He's driving this home, talking about the simplicity of the gospel, and that's where we are again this morning. Um, Dave uh, finished with uh, verse 1 of chapter 5 yesterday, and um, I'm just going to go back and retouch on that because it's really a great transition verse between uh, the passage before it and and where we're headed this morning. So he says here uh, that Christ has set us free. Free from what? Well, free from living under the law. And then he says to stand firm, to stand firm in this belief that Christ has set us free. Stand firm in the fact that you don't have to live under the law anymore, uh, but that you get to live under grace. 
And when Paul says, stand firm, it's not just a helpful little tidbit, but rather in response to an actual situation. Like if you ever read the fine print of some of the ads that you see or um, anything like that, like it's really hilarious some of the things that are included in there, but you know that they're there because that issue has been brought up and boy, we better cover our legal bases on this. You know, like I was seeing, I was watching an ad for soda that, that looked like a, a movie trailer, but it was an ad to buy soda. And at the bottom, uh, in, in very fine print, it said, not an actual movie. So you know that someone called in was like, when is that movie coming out? And I can't wait. And, come on, come on. Um, but uh, here Paul gives us this little point right here to stand firm. And he's saying that because people aren't standing firm. He's responding to an actual situation. And the situation, though it's been talked about multiple times already in Galatians, he comes back to it again in these upcoming verses. Let's take a look here at verse 2. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. There's the issue right there. Um, But before we get into the issue, I want to take a look at the advantage that they have in Christ. The advantage that they have in Christ. Now, um, if you've got a paper, uh, a little paper in your bulletin, and you want to take notes, pull it out. This is blank fill-in number one, the advantage that they have. Kids, there's a picture of a lollipop. If you want to color, feel free to color. Uh, adults, if you want to color, feel free to color. There's a picture of a lollipop on there. Uh, you can go ahead and color and have a great time with that. Um, but I want to talk about the advantage that, that Paul kind of mentions here. He says that Christ will be of no advantage. Well, well, what is that advantage that we have in Christ? Just as when I was talking to the kids about their lollipop and reminded them what they had after they were like, oh, yeah, I'll take whatever this other thing is, I stopped them and reminded them. Now, don't forget what you have. Don't forget you have something that's sweet and tasty and colorful and red and full of sugar, which is good for you. I I had to stop and remind them and bring them back to that so that they didn't get distracted, that they didn't get duped, that they didn't get pulled away over here and and, uh, pulled away from what they already have. And so Paul did that same thing for the churches in Galatia. And not just in this passage, but over and over and over. Let me go back and just read you some of the reminders that Paul gives the church. He starts off right in the very beginning of his letter, Galatians 1, 2 through 5. To the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. You remember what Christ did? Let me remind you. He gave Himself for our sins, delivered us from the present evil age. He continues on in verse 15 of chapter 1. He who had set me apart before I was born and who called me by His grace. We've been set apart. We've been called. Chapter 2, verse 16, Paul reminds us, we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith 
in Christ Jesus. Galatians 2.20, he reminds us, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Galatians 3.13-14, he reminds us, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. Again, he's reminding us of the advantage that we have in Christ. Galatians uh, 3, 26. In Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. Verse 28 of chapter 3. There's neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Galatians 4, 4 through 5. God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And then here in our passage, verse 5, for through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. He's reminding us, he's bringing us back to, look, look at what you have in Christ. Don't get distracted. Don't get duped by something else. The gospel is simple. It's here for you. It's available. It's free. You have it. Don't add to it. Don't change it. Don't do anything else with it. Hang on to it. This is what you have. This is the advantage you have in Christ. Here he says, hope of righteousness. Now this righteousness is past, present, and future righteousness. It's a past righteousness because, of, because what Christ did on the cross made us righteous. This is a past righteousness because what Christ did on the cross made us righteous. Romans 3, 23-24 says this. This is one of my favorite passages in the Bible. Romans 3, 23, many of you know it. It says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And most people stop there. And I'm like, keep going! Because 3.23 is kind of a, a downer. I mean, it's a truth, it's a reality that, hey, we've all sinned, we've all fallen short of God's glory. We've all made mistakes. We all deserve a punishment. And that punishment is death. That punishment is hell. That punishment is separation from God. We all deserve that. And that's true. And that's sad. But here's the beauty is that 24 doesn't stop on that sad note, but it says, for all of sin and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. That's the Gospel. That's the advantage that we have in Christ. That's what Christ did for us on the cross to make me righteous, to make you righteous, to be able to give us eternity with Him, to be able to give us fellowship with Him, to be able to restore a relationship that was broken because of us, because of our fault, because of things that we did. We fell. We made mistakes. We chose to walk away from God. But because of His grace that was given freely as a gift, He gladly laid down His life so that we could be made righteous. That happened in the past. 
this hope of righteousness, but it's happening continually in the present. Through the Holy Spirit's guiding, we are continually being made righteous. Philippians 1.6 says that, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. He started with this good work in each and every one of us, in, in offering us this grace, and in, in, in choosing us and saying, I want you to have it. I want you to have this grace. Take it, please. But then he doesn't just give it to us and say, well, good luck. But rather he walks through life with us and continues to help us grow and continues to draw us to himself. And then there's a future hope of righteousness as well. One day we will all stand before Jesus fully righteous before him. 1 Thessalonians 4, 16-18 says, For the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Can't wait. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. We have a hope of perfect righteousness before the Lord. This is the gospel, plain and simple. And if it's something that you haven't accepted, if you haven't tasted of it, if you haven't said, yes, I need to surrender my life. I know I've made mistakes. I know I've fallen short of God's goodness. I know I've blown it. And you need to accept that. Lord, I, I, I can't live life my own way anymore. I've, I've gotten off track. I need to be brought back to You. Lord, I, I, I've tried to live life on my terms and it's just not working. And I want to live life on Your terms. Maybe today is the day you need to surrender your life. Maybe today is the day you need to hand it over and say, Lord, I'm putting You in charge. If that's you today, please come talk to me after the service. Please come talk to Dave. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to talk with you. But this is the advantage that the Galatians have in having the gospel and having Christ. And frankly, the advantage that you and I can have as well. We can never forget what we have in Christ. We can never forget it. But just as important is how we got it. How they have it. Kids, how did you get your lollipop? Yeah, you, I gave it to you, right? Well, not me directly, but it was given to you. And again, did you have to do anything to receive it besides coming up to the front? That, no, right? All you had to do was come up to the front to receive it. Now, should, should we applaud Boston for uh, his lollipop and getting his lollipop? Should we say, hey, Boston, great job? <laughs> no, right? I mean, we're excited that Boston had his lollipop. It was a good, was a good lollipop, Boston? Yeah, it was a good lollipop, right? Yeah. All right, good. Um, but, but the applause and the praise shouldn't go to him. 
because it wasn't like he made the lollipop. It wasn't like it was his flavor and his design and, oh, wow, that was a great lollipop, Boston. And this is so important with the gospel as well. Galatians 5.5, we just talked about this verse, the tail end of it. Um, We eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. But look at the front end of this verse. And this part is so important. Through the Spirit, by faith, we ourselves eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. Through the Spirit. It's nothing that we sought out. Romans chapter 3, verses 10 and 11 says, None is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks God. So none of us get a pat on the back for for finding God or for giving our lives over to Him. We didn't seek Him, but rather He sought us out. So far be it from us to ever take credit. Look at how great I did at finding God. Uh, This week in your community groups, I I have you uh, reading Ephesians chapter 1. But I wanted just to take a look at a snippet of it. Verses 4 through 10. In love, He predestined us for adoption as sons through Christ Jesus, according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of His will, according to His purpose, which He set forth in Christ, as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in Him, things in heaven and things on earth. Let me point something out. What is this about? He predestined us, according to the purpose of His will, praise of His glorious grace. He has blessed us. In Him we have redemption through His blood, according to the riches of His grace. He lavished upon us. Mystery of His will, His purpose, He set forth. Unite all things in Him. It is not about us. It is about Him. It's so important not only to remember the advantage that we have in Christ, but where it came from. It did not come from us but rather it came from Him. God is the one that offered this to us. God is the one that gave it to us. How dare we ever take credit for that? Through the Spirit. Through the Spirit by faith. I love Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. It says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not as a result of works so that no one can boast. No one can boast. Romans 10.9 says, Believe in your heart. Acts 16.31 says, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. There's believing and that's all that there is to it. There's no added steps. There's no extra tricks. There's nothing else that we can do to earn God's favor. There's nothing else that we can offer to God that He would go, wow, that's that's pretty cool. I didn't have that before. Forget it. We have nothing to offer Him. Paul is once again making crystal clear that no credit, merit, 
or right belongs to us as he's done through the whole book. Let me tell you how he opens up Galatians. Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead. Yes, the Galatians have an advantage in Christ in having the gospel. But it didn't come through them. And so, don't ever let yourself get wrapped up in, look at me. Look at how great of a follower of Christ I am. Look at how good I am. Look at how worthy I am of God's favor. Because we're not. We don't belong there. Ever. You have two sticky notes uh, that were attached to your paper. So I'm going to have you write down two little things. Two little things just to to remember as you walk away. And if you remember nothing else, remember the two things that are on these two sticky notes. Sticky number one, receive Christ's sacrifice humbly. Receive Christ's sacrifice humbly. Many of you have done this already, received Christ's sacrifice. Some of you haven't and need to. And if you haven't, today's the day. But when you receive it, receive it humbly. Receive Christ's sacrifice humbly, aware that you are not worthy of it, that you do not deserve it, that it is a free gift, and that the credit goes to God. So now that we've laid the groundwork and looked at what they have, the advantage, let's take a look at the issue that Paul is readdressing here. Y'all got that down on your sticky? Receive Christ's sacrifice humbly? Excellent. Let's take a look at the advantage they lost. What happened? Let's go back to verse 2. Galatians 5, verse 2. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. So what's going on? They're accepting circumcision. And and here's what's happening. The Jewish Christians are coming and, and saying, look, accept Christ's free gift. Okay, now that we've got that taken care of, we, we want to really make you a follower. We want to really, like, dress it up. Because, I mean, you started good by accepting God's gift of salvation, but now uh, it's, it's time to be circumcised so that you can really be identified with us, so that you can really be following what God has said. What they're doing is they're pushing new followers to live back under the old law. And this is a flesh-based salvation. Galatians 3.3 says, Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? So what he's saying is, look, you started off, you had something beautiful. Right? You had that fantastic lollipop. You had something that was freely given to you. You had God's grace. You had God's favor. You had the gospel handed to you. Now, why are you trying to go and get something else? Boy, i got to make this better. Yeah, the gospel is the greatest thing ever, but I'm going to make it better by getting circumcised. Because that will make me a better follower of God. That will make me more right. That will make me uh, more holy. Or whatever it is. And somehow, the Galatians are buying it. Let's take a look at the consequences, okay? 
So in verse 2, he says, if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. I testify again to every man who accepts circumcision, this is verse 3, that he is obligated to keep the whole law. You are severed from Christ, you who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace. Let me just walk us through these few things. It's like listing off all the horrible things about broccoli and saying, now, choose this, okay? You want to pick the broccoli? Now, that broccoli was never washed. And No, 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 I'm just kidding. It was washed. I'm teasing it was clean, okay? Um, but um, what Paul's trying to do is make them aware of what they're choosing instead of choosing the gospel. First of all, Christ is of no advantage. They're putting themselves back under the old law before Christ. They're going back to the Old Testament and saying, let's live underneath this law over here. So in doing that, Christ's coming didn't change anything for them. If they're going back and saying, we need to live under this old law, then Christ showing up didn't do anything. So that's what they mean, that's what Paul means when he says Christ is of no advantage. His presence, his coming didn't change anything. Next, they're obligated to keep the whole law. Well, okay, if you're going to go back and follow this part of the law, you don't get to pick and choose. If you're going to follow this part of the law, then you'd better follow everything else. If you're putting yourself under the law, then you have to live by the law. That's another thing that Paul is reminding them. Look, if you want to go and do this whole circumcision thing, you are putting yourself under the law, the law in its entirety. You don't get to say, well, I'm going to put myself under this part of the law, but not this part of the law. You're putting yourself under the law in its entirety. You're severed from Christ. If you aren't using His gift, then why do you need Him? That hurts. But Paul's really trying to help them see what they're doing and saying, yes, I'm going to accept circumcision. I need circumcision to truly be justified. You are falling away from grace. In choosing circumcision, in choosing to go back and live under the law, you're trying to justify yourself. You're relying on your own works to save you. Yeah, sure, I accepted the gospel, um, but uh, I'm going to give it a little boost. I'm going to add to it. The gospel needs a little bit of a, of a, of a help. So I'm going to add on to it. And then later on, he says that the offense of the cross has been removed. This is in verse 11. Verse 11 says, If I, brothers, still preach circumcision, which, by the way, I'm not, and you all know that, why am I still being persecuted? In other words, hey, I am preaching circumcision. That's why I'm being persecuted. So you know that I'm not preaching circumcision. In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. If I were preaching circumcision, those that are preaching circumcision have removed the offense of the cross. And that word offense in Greek is scandalon, which means um, a stumbling block. 
or something that, that causes someone to stumble or causes someone to trip up. It's, it's getting in the way. And, and for Jewish Christians, for Jewish believers, the, the cross was offensive and the cross was getting in their way and it was a stumbling block. It was a challenge to accept because look, we did all these different things. God had told us to do this and 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 we followed it to the letter and now Christ is showing up and the gospel is available for everyone and, and we don't have to do all these things anymore and it's not ritualistic and well, what's going on here? And they're having a hard time accepting this. With circumcision being preached, the cross is of no issue because they can still live under the law the way they want to. But this is so serious to Paul, he makes a bold and drastic statement. Take a look at verse 12. I wish those who unsettle you would emasculate themselves. Now, without getting into details, um, he, uh, what all he's doing is, is just saying, like, look, I, I wish it were like so plainly obvious what you were buying into. And there were uh, some, some pagan religions that used emasculation as a part of just what they did. And so he's kind of pushing them to this further level and saying, like, look, like, let's, let's make it even more ridiculous. Are you going to buy into that? You're already buying into this fact that you need circumcision to help save you. Let's, let's make it even more ridiculous. Are you going to buy into it with, with emasculation as well and saying, like, let's, let's just go all the way? It's, it's absurd. And he's trying to help them see how absurd it is to welcome something like that. So they, they had this advantage and they lost it. Let me show you how they lost it. Let me show you what I have in my pocket. Some of you may have never seen one of these. <laughs> in my day and age, this was cutting edge technology. Let me just compare. My iPhone has a case on it, too. This is an old iPod. I bought it a number of years ago. It was one of the first ones to have color on it. It was really cool. And uh, I put all my music on it. It's 60 gigs. That's a lot. You know? 60 gigs. And uh, I spent like $500 on it. And, uh, man, I love that thing. I used it all the time. I love music. I love listening to music. So I had it with me all the time. Uh, I was doing youth ministry up in Washington, and um, I had all the students over. Uh, Laura and I had all the students over to our apartment, and we had a movie night. After the students left, I couldn't find my iPod. And I looked and looked and looked, looked everywhere, couldn't find my iPod. And so what conclusion did I arrive at? Someone stole it. Come on. I invite the youth group over to my house, and one of my kids steals my iPod? What's the deal with that? Now, the reason I have this is not because said student called me up and said, look, I'm really sorry, I wanted to return your iPod. Rather, years and years later, a friend was over at our house over in Santa Clara and had lost her keys, so was looking through our couch. And she's searching around, and she goes, what's this? 
I'm like, oh, that's where it went. <laughs> Oops. <coughs> the reason I tell that story is this. When we trip up, when we get duped, when we make errors and mistakes, sometimes it's so easy to point the blame elsewhere, right? I lost my iPod. What did I do? Oh, let's blame somebody else for it. Somebody else must have taken it. Now, those of you that have teens, I'm sure I've never heard this before, but uh, I mean, it, it always comes up. Whenever I take teens to camp and something goes missing, somebody stole it. So, somebody stole my half-used deodorant, Ben. I, <laughs> I guarantee you, nobody stole your deodorant. It's hiding in a bag somewhere. Don't go blame somebody else. It's your problem. And here we've got that same kind of thing. Let's take a look at verses 7 through 9. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. Now Paul first identifies, look, okay, they were hindered by someone. Not God, but they were hindered by somebody. Someone pointed them away. But far be it from them to ever go and blame that person. Well, you know, it's their fault that I'm believing this. No, 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 no. Ben, it's your fault that I chose the broccoli over the lollipop. No, it's not. Sure, I might have had convincing words. Sure, I might have pointed you in that direction. But it's not my fault. It's your fault for making that choice. It very well could have been uh, someone of high importance as well. Verse uh, 10 where it says, whoever he is could also be translated no matter who he is. Even if it's someone of high importance coming and telling you this and this and this, don't be duped. Don't be pulled away. Don't be sidetracked. And then he says in verse 9, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. And as Dave discussed last week, um, we're, we're not talking about abandoning the gospel in its entirety and saying, well, I'm just going to go back and live entirely under the law. But rather, it tends to be this hybrid. And I think that's where most of us get tripped up. Like Dave mentioned last week, it's so easy to. It's so easy to, to hang on to the gospel and say, yes, I believe in the gospel. I believe in the, the goodness that God has done for me. But at the same time, I also believe that I need church attendance, good church attendance for God's favor to rest on me. I believe that I also need to be obedient to the things that God has said for me to really have salvation. I believe that I need to be baptized to really be saved. I believe that I need to be reading my Bible. I believe that I need to be tithing. I believe that I need to be serving. I believe that I need to get circumcised. I believe that I need to be not circumcised. And, and then God will really look on favor, on, on me with favor. And I love how, how Paul makes that distinction in verse 6. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision accounts for anything. Neither of them matter. Rather, faith expressing itself through love. That's where the gospel lies. Not in anything physical. He didn't want to tip it all the way to the other side. Well, 
Nobody gets circumcised. He didn't have an issue with circumcision one way or the other. The problem was that they were raising circumcision to the level of the gospel and saying, well, you need the gospel and you need this. And that leaven is anything that is of the flesh. So sticky number two is what is your leaven? What is that little bit of yeast, that little thing that can get in there and affect the entire lump? What is that little thing that you can so easily start to believe that you need to be saved that can trip you up? Now again, let me clarify. All those things are wonderful. Church attendance, obedience, baptism, scripture reading, tithing, service. They're all wonderful things. But there is a response. There's something that comes as a way to respond to the gospel. They're not a part of the gospel. Uh, Last Sunday, I wasn't here. I was up at uh, winter camp with the high schoolers. And the theme was enough. And we talked about this idea that I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. But what really matters is the response to that. I'm not good enough, and and now I need to fix that somehow. Well, that's putting yourself on the throne. That's saying that you have the power to earn God's favor and grace. But rather, what we were pointed to and directed to is that Christ is enough. I'm not good enough. Christ is enough. Let me invite the band up as I share this uh, story with you. One of my best friends through high school, let's call him John. John and I were inseparable. We had classes together. We spent time together. Um, And uh, we went to church together. We went to school together and we went to church together, which was awesome because we spent all this time together. And even on Sundays after church, either I'd go to his house, he'd go to my house, and we'd just hang out with each other and we just loved each other. One thing John loved to do was debate. He loved to talk about difficult passages in the gospel. He he built up his knowledge and he built up his understanding of, of, of what the scriptures had to say. And so every time I was ready to crack open my Bible, he'd be like, all right, predestination versus free will. All right, assurance of salvation. All right, the age of the earth. And he'd just start diving into these things and dialoguing and talking about them. What I came to realize and understand later is that he was resting on his knowledge. And, and, And sure, he had been offered the gospel But what he was doing is he was saying, no, I need my knowledge to save me. I need uh, all this wisdom and all this understanding to save me. And when his knowledge was shattered, as he went off to college and wasn't ready to debate and wasn't ready to defend and didn't have enough knowledge, his knowledge was shattered and so was his faith. And to this day, he's 
not walking with the Lord. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. It can be one little thing that you raise to the level of the gospel and say, well, I need the gospel, but I also need this. And if I do this, if I pour my time and energy into this, then I will be saved. Then I will have the gospel. Then I will be looked at as right before God. And all that's going to do is pull you further and further away from Him. Christ becomes worthless as you try to raise yourself up. So let me ask you this question. Is Christ enough for you? We're going to sing this song now. Let me just say the first line. Because as we sing it, I want you to believe it. My hope is built on nothing less, nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Believe that as we sing that right now.